Hi, I'm Laura Boswell. And I'm Peter Keegan. And over there is the talented Mr B on sound. Welcome to Ask an Artist. Want to take the leap and become a working artist? The sort that actually gets to make art and pay the bills at the same time? We're both that sort of artist and we're going to help you become one too. Now, it's that time where we let you take control of the podcast by challenging Laura and I with some of your artistic questions. Thank you so much for those of you that sent in your questions via our website at askanartistpodcast.com, where today we shall be discussing working in multiple mediums, creating site-specific work, and how exactly you charge your friends for your work. Mm. So, Laura, what juicy question are we going to start with first? Right. Okay. So, the first question is, should I stick to one kind of medium or is is it okay to work in lots of different ways? So I assume this is like, do I just become a painter or can I be a sculptor as well Mm -hmm. and use a different variety of techniques? Well, that's quite interesting for you because, I mean, in many ways you work in Mm. two different mediums as an ink in regards to lino and then watercolour. Obviously, it's all under the umbrella of printmaking. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Because you work in two different specific painting mediums. I think it relates a bit to the body of work episode that we've already recorded Mm. in that it's, it's fine to work in a variety of mediums, but you have to, in some way, make them all unified in terms of what you say and your individual identity and voice as an artist. Mm. Don't you think, Peter? Because if you painted in oils in one way and then painted in watercolour a completely different way or a completely different subject, it gets very confusing. Mm. It would would certainly confuse me as as the painter (laughs) trying to keep the different plates spinning with different techniques. I mean, I do dabble in, for example, you know, watercolour, partly just for me to experiment and to play with the medium. But, you know, I certainly label myself as an oil painter. But I do paint in acrylics. Mm. When I do paint in acrylic, they are painted almost in the exact same method, approach and mm. aesthetic style as I do with my oil paint. So it's it's certainly more about, I suppose, the craft, if you like, my output, the way that I mm. handle paint and brush and colour always ends up kind of looking the same, irrespective of the painting so medium I'm using. So it's recognisably a Peter Keegan painting. Yeah, I think... And I think that's that's important, especially if, the, if there's an even wider gulf between the techniques that you're embracing. So if you're looking at textile metal work and painting Mm. then the other danger I think is you need to be as skilled in a variety of mediums as you would be in one medium to turn out work of the same quality Mm. so you'd have to factor in that every technique comes with a learning period and a period where you're sort of gathering your skills and, and becoming fluent in that artistic language and the more you do the more learning time there is because you don't want I suppose one dabbling to bring down the quality of the one you spent a long time doing. So you have to be sort of aware of the fact that you you have to be able to rise to the occasion across Hmm. the board of what you do. Because I think it is fine to experiment. I mean, I'm a very creative person and I've Hmm. I've had a go at sculpture and clay, but I certainly don't promote that that is what I do. I sort of Hmm. do that as my kind of enjoyment and playing, you know, my hobby, I suppose, if you Hmm. like, in regards to the arts. But in regards to as a professional way of marketing myself Mm. and and the commitment to what I do Mm. as an art practice, I very clearly 
market myself as doing one clear thing. And I think that, I mean, that's quite helpful, particularly in the art, art world, the art yes, market. Yes, gallery or, or art buyers expect Absolutely. to see recognisable work. And your collectors and people that buy, and they kind of want to identify, you know, see that, oh, look, there is a Laura Boswell print, and they can clearly mm. see that it's your work, as opposed to you dabbling other things where suddenly it doesn't look mm. like you anymore. It doesn't look like your authentic handwriting or the way that you approach something. I think what I'd say is just be careful about how you pick more techniques it's it's important in a way that if you are going to branch out into different techniques that they're going to add to the body of work not just be something you fancy doing because every time I go and teach and mm. there's a class in the next room I want to do that thing yes. I'm, I'm always fascinated by that I mean there are artists who feel restricted by just working in in one way and they like to try lots of different things but I think it it's it's something you should do wisely. You know, you need to really cherry pick your techniques and they need to be relevant. It's no good in this instance being a magpie. I know we always say be a mm. magpie when you're looking for inspiration. I think that's not particularly helpful approach here. Well, I see that as sort of sketchbook work. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's exploring and playing. Mm. And then that's a private thing. That's something that I do in my own time in my studio. It's not mm. something that I would present as saying, here's a thing I'm playing around with. I would allow myself the time in private to, to play an experiment. Yeah, and if it gripped you, Peter, exactly. would you then... Yeah, I think I would, I would then I'd, it would evolve in that sort of yeah. progression. And if I, for example, turned into a watercolour artist, mm. I think that would be a kind of a, a gradual process. I wouldn't mm. just suddenly snap my fingers one day and I no longer paint in oils and now I only do in watercolour. Yeah. I think it needs to evolve from one to the other. Otherwise, I think it's... It's just people who maybe be quite flighty and then you easily, yes. you know, you change your way of yeah. working because, oh, that painting sells better than that one. You know, you've got to be very careful with how you choose to develop the way that you work and not be um, not be tempted by that kind of the commercial sale. No. And also the other thing I would say to people who feel that they're restricted by their medium, part of developmental practice as an artist, I think, is to push at what you are handling and always be pushing yourself forward. Mm. So, you know, not to feel restricted by what you do, but to think about, okay, how can I push this medium? And the fact is that the more you know your technique and the better you get at it, the more you're able to break the rules and push it in different directions. Yeah. Well, I can so, relate to that because it's, you know... You know, in oil painting, there's not just one way of painting oils. You can paint in so many oh, ways, sure. from whether a very traditional mm. method of glazing to a very contemporary way where you're slapping it on mm. with sort of household brushes and palette mm. knives. And I have explored all that sort of the area that you can do, uh, utilise oils. And of course, what that is enabling me is to be a better painter, mm. a better kind of craftsperson, an awareness of my this, the, mm. the medium and the way that I can utilise it. If I was looking at inks or other mediums I'm not going to know my own medium as as, as the, the fullest potential mm, I could so sure. I think you know if you are tempted to try something different have you exhausted all the possibilities in your own medium I suppose what I'm trying to say so I think what we're saying to round up is that it's it's by no means an utter mistake but be really careful about how you do it and do allow some time to come up to speed before you show it as part of your practice yeah so let's go to our little next uh, questions. Uh, question number two. It's really short and sweet. My art is site specific. Does that make a difference? 
So what I recognise by site-specific, coming as someone who does landscape work, is presumably they mean that their work is either of a particular geographical area or of a particular thing. Mm. And does that matter in the general scheme of things? So your paintings, your prints, sorry, you do, you know, Yorkshire and Scotland. Mm. So it's, you're not specifically looking at one site, but it's creating a kind of cohesion narrative to your work. Yeah, I mean, as a landscape printmaker, I'd say that there are advantages and disadvantages because location is very important sometimes to the buyer. From my end, I don't really care where things are. I just care about what they are. So for me, it's all about ideas of scale and a sense of space and drama. So that drags me up to sort of rocky mountainous landscapes, not because I'm particularly in love with the Lake District or Scotland. It's just... It provides you that subject matter. They provide the subject matter. However, a lot of my clients will want to know where things are. Hmm. And I have to say my titles, I'm very careful about what I call things. Occasionally, I've just done a Yorkshire series where I've been very specific about where they are. But usually I don't put place names into the print. So you keep it more kind of ambiguous, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, apart from anything else, you couldn't hold up one of my prints against the landscape and recognise that landscape because by the time it's been through the process of how I work and through my head, what comes out the end is something that deals with space and drama and light and things. Do you do that intentionally or is that just part of the natural creative process? No, it's... the, uh, the things that interest me may well mean I have to shunt a mountain here and there and right. <laughs> things like that. So I, I don't do that. And I do try and avoid it because I like people to make of my landscapes what they will. But they do encapsulate a feeling of a place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what I'd say is that if you are working in site-specific in terms of location. And an inspiration. You know, yes, inspiration. Yeah. So um, let's say you live on the coast and that particular mm. coastal area is what you depict. Think about how you title what you're doing. Mm. Maybe give them slightly ambiguous titles because then you, you, you've got the best of both worlds. Mm. You can tell people where it is. And then for those who maybe aren't looking for a picture of that coastline, the title may suggest to them themes and elements that they can yeah. enjoy. Because I think the art world likes it. I mean, for example, if you're a painter and you paint the skies of Norfolk or mm. you're, a, you're a printmaker and you uh, print urban London scenes mm. and that's what you're known for, again, the art world quite likes that, you know, likes sort of identifying that you're the sky Norfolk guy and you're the urban yeah, print sure. London guy. And I think that owning that kind of identification and the geography of those those there points is of inspiration. To that. No, oh, I absolutely. agree. I agree with you. I think also it depends on when you say it's site specific, whether the actual business of depicting the area as it is is important or not, or whether if like me you're just using it as a kickoff point to create mm. And you're going for the feel of that kind of place, which is more what I'm doing. Well, then you've got the, the, the other, there's another sort of definition, I suppose, a site specific is that you have been asked to produce a work of art, whether I know it's a mural or a sculpture in that 
location and what that does oh, to that sort of tie you. Oh, that makes an enormous difference Absolutely. to what you produce. You know, and I, 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 I've had a couple of those in regards to working with a residency and that mm. the paintings need to live in this environment. So mm. what I need to be able to do is make sure that the, the paintings are cohesive of this environment, that it works both in regards to scale, um, a composition, maybe shapes and colours that I kind of want it to of be. your theatre residency, where mm. it's not just about that, but it's about creating an artwork that works in a theatre context, yeah. which must mean a certain approach a certain kind of drama and feel to them perhaps. absolutely I mean there's, there's I suppose there's a project that I, I wish to convey a the feeling and the mood and the environment of in this mm. case the theatre and I needed to be able to encapsulate that visually but it also needs to work logistically so if you are a sculptor sculptor and you've been asked to produce a work of art to say that's going to dwell uh, on a public near a public path not only will there be a brief that you're probably following that it needs to encapsulate a certain feeling or quality or whether it's to do with wildlife or the environment mm. it needs to logistically work you know will it stand up against the elements will it be safe um and and will it work in the actual environment I think so. I mean, I had a, a similar thing with a commission where I was working for the Isle of Wight and they asked me to do a series of, of large prints that were 14 views of the Isle of Wight. Now, the views that I chose working with the people at the health centre who were going to have the prints were absolutely the iconic chocolate box views of the Isle of Wight. And as the artist, it was my job then to put a twist on those to mm. make them actively interesting. And also the health centre wanted to create light and air and space within the, this mm. sort of rather dark health centre. So my approach was to be quite startling in how I chose to compose things. You know, I I made what seemed important a small part of the picture and raised horizons and, and did all sorts of compositional things to alter those views of the Isle of Wight so that they were fresh and new. And that's another thing that you have to think about as but an the artist. But the works still it's needed still, to be they you. They were you know, absolutely recognisable as places in the Isle of Wight, but they'd come through my Japanese woodblock filter, mm. so they no longer looked like any view of the Isle of Wight perhaps that they'd seen before. So I think it's good whether you're approaching, you know, if you are a site-specific artist and you're taking inspiration from an area, that is perfectly fine. I know lots of artists that mm. do very well and they are known for painting the coast of, of Wales, for example, mm. and they almost nail that market completely yeah. because they own it. So mm. don't feel that you need to spread yourself thinly on that. If you become that person that's known for that area, then fantastic. And then if you are working in a more site-specific area mm. to produce a work, make sure you kind of you're uh, reflective and you're considerate to the area and the environment that you will not only put the artwork in, but also the way that you're trying to reflect that area. So, Peter, let's pause for a moment and get some colour into the podcast. So, Laura, I know you've been playing with these Michael Harding watercolours for your new Woodblock series. Yes, and no pressure, but I did it live on a live stream for YouTube, which was really exciting. So, hopefully they behaved themselves and they worked they rather nicely. They did. <laughs> well, actually, they had a, it was a big ask because I was proofing onto cheap proofing paper and then holding it up and showing my audience as I went. And the joy of these watercolours is their richness and the pigment density. So, even though I wasn't printing 
writing on my finished printing paper, they still sung beautifully on the paper and were really impressive for my audience. So I'm very excited about using them with the good quality paper as well. I bet they're going to look fantastic. Yeah, I'm really pleased with them. So if you'd like to find out more information about these soon-to-be-released watercolours and to find out a retailer near you, simply visit Michael Harding Paints at their website, michaelharding.co.uk. Now we've had our colour fix, let's look at the last question we've got today. So question three is, and this is an interesting one. This oh, I'm looking quite... forward to this. I'm always, I'm always good at the, I, I really like the agony art questions. This is, okay, this is we one. see what you make of this. Yeah. It says, a friend wants me to make a table decoration for her wedding and has offered to pay. I'm excited to make them, but I feel really awkward about charging. What should I do? Well, first of all, a big thank you to the friend for offering to pay. It's it's good that um, she realises that this is time and money. Because that doesn't always happen. <laughs> doesn't always happen. But I think this, this sort of has the potential to fall into that kind of really awkward ground where you're trying to take money from a friend and the friend doesn't quite understand where the boundaries are. So I think what I would do is I would offer a couple of options as to how to do this. Okay. So my I would say to the bride, we could do this in two ways. First way is that absolutely no, I don't want your money. I will make this my wedding gift to you. Yeah, that's a good idea. And in that case, I think it would be important to say to the bride, but what I'll do is I'll understand your colours, I'll look at the kind of themes and things you have for the wedding, but I will have creative control. I will make you a wonderful table decoration, but it'll be a present and so it'll come from me and it'll it'll be up to me how it ultimately looks. Mm-hmm. And that way you're not expecting any payment, but you are saying to the bride that she does not have control over Right, so it. You're, in tra- you're in charge of that little mini project essentially. A little mini project, which is, is also your wedding gift. So okay. you can really throw yourself into it and come up with something spectacular. Now, what about those brides that want a little bit more control of, of the aesthetic? Because I know there's plenty of people that would want the ultimate, you know, being aware of everything. Is that where it's appropriate to charge a little bit of money? Because it's essentially you're providing well, I, a service. No, I, I think actually what I would say in that case is absolutely we'll do this, but we'll do it exactly like the florist who's doing your flowers for the bouquet or the photographer who's taking your pictures. You pay me, I will by all means give you a bit of a discount, but it will be a charge for the work. Right. And you call the shots. You're, you are now my client. We have a client right. business relationship. This is nothing to do with me as your friend. I'll be giving you something lovely from me, mm. but this is a business deal. Right. And put it very much on that footing so that the bride has control and you are doing what she wants. It sounds like, I, mean, I think it's quite clear that it's setting out the terms. Yeah, exactly. Quite clear, I whatever mean, it's, option. It's kind of, and that may sound really hard-nosed to do, but I think if everyone's clear at the beginning with arrangements like this, mm. it doesn't then disintegrate into bad feeling where the bride feels, oh, but I'm paying you, so I should be able to tell you everything. Mm. And the artist doesn't feel, oh, she's not paying enough for the amount she's asking. Because I've been in this situation it's where tricky. I have said, yes, I will, I will do what you want. Um, and 
and the project got slightly bigger and then it got a bit bigger. Oh, and by the way, can you do this and that? And it was very difficult to say no because it was kind of integrated to what I said I was able to deliver. And then, of course, I was just spending a lot more time and a lot more effort on something that was going to be a gift. But now it turned into a much more bigger project because I didn't quite say this is the limit of what I'm able to do. Not because I don't want to help you. It's because I have a job and I have other things that I need to get on. Well, I think it's sort of back to that charities thing again. When you work with friends, it's it's really lovely, but it's still the real world. Mm. And as a working artist... It's it's a bit like if 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 somebody if you were a plumber and your mate says oh could you come and connect the taps in my bathroom mm. or whatever you, there are boundaries mm. and you have to set them mm. and be and be professional about it and at the end of the day I mean hopefully the bride would appreciate that if she is paying you for a service and she is the client then you are working to her remit. Whereas if it's a present, then you don't go out shopping with the person buying the present saying what they must buy and what they mustn't. It's also, I think, it's to ascertain, are they are they asking you because they love what you do or yes. they ask you because they're just trying to save a bit of money on yeah, the expensive there is wedding? Is that. It's just sort of to be quite, just, yeah. I would be very just slightly aware of are they commissioning you? Would they pay irrespective of whether you yeah. give it as a gift or not? And I would see that as you know a real honour that to be yeah. vast, as opposed to just sort of you know, well, spreading the load say, a little. Well, I would say with money comes control. That's right, the rule. Yeah. If you're paying, you ha- you get to pay the. If you're if you're paying the piper, you get to call the tune. Mm. If you're looking to save money and get mates to help you, then you kind of have to go with the flow and let your mate have the freedom to create. Would would it be a good idea to get it in writing just to kind of cover I would, yourself? I would maybe pop an email. Yeah, it doesn't have to. I mean, not like a contract or an agreement or anything too formal. Or perhaps. better still, I would maybe try and have the conversation in the context of the bride's family or the bride and groom or or just so that everybody understands where you're coming from because mm. what you don't want is the bride having a tantrum and telling all her family that you've failed her in some way mm. and this is awful because this all sounds really negative what should be a lovely thing yeah but all this advice is kind of aimed at, at avoiding all those awkward scenes that could arise later and also as well the question is a friend wants me to make a table decorate. Yeah, it's and I not think, your sister I mean, or whatever. It, it, it's, I would say it's important. What's more important is, mm. is the job or the friendship. And I wouldn't... <laughs> oh, I wouldn't that's put, brutal. I wouldn't put myself <laughs> in a position that actually this could make a bit this friendship a little bit more awkward because mm. ultimately, you know, you want to keep having a positive relationship with this friend. And it depends how much the friend understands about how much work is going into what you create. Mm. I mean, she said table decoration. That could be anything from bunch of flowers stuck in a vase to a handcrafted to 20 tables <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well it could be a handcrafted sculpture that's going to take weeks to create mm. it really depends and sometimes with the best will in the world your friend's got no idea what work goes into yeah, things you know I, yeah. I sometimes have been asked in the past to do lino cut oh i'm having a party could you do some invitations you could cut them as a lino cut <laughs> and people don't realize the the, the the amount of work they're asking for that's 120 that. pounds per invitation please because <laughs> <laughs> they get to frame it at the end yeah. and stick it up on the yeah. wall well yeah. that's really good i like i like the fact you're laying out very clear at the beginning and that you're giving them options as well i yeah, think exactly, that's quite, quite important exactly and, so, and you said at the start a discount i mean for me i would feel it was appropriate to discount for a, for a friend, you know, not, yeah. not whether it's 10, 20% off or whatever yeah. you deem uh, is right that you still make some money out of it, maybe not as much. Yeah, so. maybe what I'd say to say to the bride is, look, 
you know, I want you to know if you were an ordinary client, it would cost X amount, but I'm not going to charge you that. I'm going to charge you whatever and knock off as much as you think is appropriate. And have them because also that sets the context of the work within the professional sphere Mm. and sets it as a job to be done not something that you you sort of playing with and money's just happens to be an extra this is i would do this for a client and i would have a rate for that and it's all suddenly a professional Mm. you know and i think that Especially for those friends who thinks who think that you'll do art because you love it and there's no kind of business involved in it, mm. that will put it on the correct footing yeah. for them to go forward. I think clear transparency from the outset will win the day on this. Well, fantastic. Let's. Um, what's our well? Our takeaway today, I think, is in regards to thank you so much for all of your questions, and we'd like to hear yeah, some more ask from us you. Some more. We uh, yeah yeah. I, I'm not sure about Peter, but I love these dilemmas with friends. <laughs> so if you've got any juicy dilemmas that are really yeah, going to test us, then remember you can email them us uh, via our website, which is askanartistpodcast.com, or you can even send them to us via our social media channels, which is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just tap in Ask an Artist Podcast. You can message us on there, and who knows. We'll be asking your question in our next episode. So thank you. And thank you very much for listening. You can catch up with these questions and their answers that we've discussed in the episode with our show notes at askanartistpodcast.com. And please bear in mind that we rely on you to keep us going. So do subscribe to the show. And if you can manage to give us a review, we really love those. 